Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Podcast. Week two of the preseason is in the books. Week three is on the docket. Patriots are in Las Vegas training with the Raiders right now. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill to break down all things preseason, roster cuts, injuries, and all that good stuff. Rich, as the Patriots injuries already pile up, are you hurt? You feeling okay? <laughs> I'm hurting from just what it feels like to watch preseason games. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is. I'm doing well. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just I'm at the point in the summer where I it's a very weird time for me because it's August 24th as of this taping. Labor Day is right around the corner, which means summer is almost pretty much over, which stinks in one respect. But on the second other hand, as you said, I'm just so ready for the regular season to start. And as much as I enjoy talking football and breaking it down with you, it's just very hard to maintain the level of enthusiasm for these games because by the end of them, it's just they're getting kind of painful to watch, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, especially when, like, the starters get a couple drives, then you go for the second stringers for a little bit for the rest of, like, the half, and then you're just going full-on depth players for the entire half of the game. It's hard to wake up for that. Um, but, you know, uh, as far as games go, this 20-10 to 10 snooze fest was just turnovers left and right, two defensive scores. Uh, your guy Roberts uh, picked up a touchdown in, like, the last minute of the game. Uh, so I, I, I wonder where he stands in the, the roster depth chart. But, like, I guess when you looked at this game, did you have any, like, big picture takeaways? Big picture takeaways from a starter's perspective, uh, not so much. Obviously, Tyquan Thornton injury is probably the biggest news coming out of that game. He came back in, which made me think initially it wasn't that big a deal. They're just keeping him safe for obvious reasons. But if the purports are true, it's a collarbone injury. He's out eight to ten weeks, which really stinks. It means he won't be back till probably late uh, October at the earliest. Maybe they're wrong and he'll be back earlier, but it's really too bad because he showed some real promise and this just gives so much fuel to the fire of, oh, he's too skinny and he can't hack it with the big guys. But in terms of the starters, that's that's pretty much all it will take away from it. There really wasn't much to really show me. Uh, offensive line looked better, but again, it's they're going up against the Carolina backups, so how much can we take away from that? I think my biggest positive takeaway from the offensive side of the ball is the progression between Game 1 and Game 2 from, uh, from Zappi. I thought Zappi looked a lot better than he did in the first game against the Giants. He had really slow start against the Giants. Besides that pick six, which is just a really just a bad decision. He looked down at the receiver all the way, slow release, just a bad throw. Other than that, I think he looked pretty solid. So it gives me confidence he will definitely be developing swell into a third stringer in 2022 who will hopefully never see the field. So I guess that's a good takeaway. The guy that's never going to see the field in 2022 looked better in two weeks. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. And like, I mean, other than that pick six, that was just like hideous. You and I were talking before the, the podcast that not a single NFL quarterback in the entire league would have been able to complete that. So like, it's not a physical limitation thing. Like Matthew Stafford, whoever has the strongest arm in the league, they wouldn't have completed that. It was just a bad, bad, bad throw. Like the wide receiver wasn't even like really trying. The defensive back hadn't moved. Like they didn't bite on anything. They were just literally sitting on top of the out route. Uh, or I guess it was, you know, a hitch, whatever, like the run, wide receiver didn't even really run a route, but they they were just sitting on the outside and uh yeah the defensive back had no problem picking that off and taking it to the house so other than that one i did think that he looked pretty good i mean like when it comes to like next year uh i could very well see him replacing brian hoyer just because you know what is his upside what are they presenting to you what are their contract values like he's showing enough through these couple of games that you know what like i don't, I don't think he's like blowing anyone's mind away but would he be a fine backup probably my, my big takeaways, uh, or, or maybe where I want to draw my attention to on the offense, is kind of just uh, who's playing where. And so, like, there was definitely some shortages on the offensive line. Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Yoni Kahuste, uh, or sorry, Justin Heron didn't play. So Kahuste was playing left tackle, Wainu was right tackle, and, and Ference was at right guard. Um, but I thought it was interesting that you could kind of get a sense of how the depth chart is playing out based off of who and how it's playing. And so, like, at this point in time, Kuste uh, is likely the fourth tackle on the roster behind uh, Isaiah Wynn, who is a trade target right now, apparently, according to Evan Lazar uh, and some other reports that, uh, you know, people are discussing is Isaiah Wynn available. Uh, and then you have Heron, you have Trent Brown, like, Kuse is next one up, and James Ferentz is the top interior guy. And so you know who's doing what uh, on the offensive line. But what stood out is that Ty Montgomery got some time with the ones. Uh, yeah. he, he scored the team's like lone touchdown on offense. Uh, he was playing at running back, but he was playing up there with Mac Jones. And like the way that we kind of got a sense of what was going on is that like Mac Jones was was playing, you know, Damian Harris, Devonte Parker. Uh, you have Jacoby Myers up there, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, we need to talk about what's going on with Kendrick Bourne, uh, who, who did not play uh, and who is definitely in the doghouse. Um, but the fact that Ty Montgomery was up there with him, I think, really helps solidify what his role might be with the team and getting a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, he seems to have a roster spot locked up at this point, at least as much as one can at this point in the season. If he makes the team, I think it'll be as a running back because that's probably with a little more room. You don't want to keep seven or eight receivers, which actually is a good segue, Rich, is talking about Kendrick Bourne. We're talking about Tyquan Thornton's injury, which I think he's a very prime candidate for the short-term IR. Can't see why that won't happen. And that maybe frees up a spot. Again, I don't think Kendrick Bourne's in any trouble of losing his job or anything like that, but there's going to be some some room on the roster now at the receiver position that maybe there wasn't a couple of weeks ago, especially with Christian Wilkerson possibly concussed and who knows what his injury status is. The emergence of Lil Jordan Humphrey, who had a, had a pretty solid two weeks as a receiver, and in my opinion, the play of the game as a gunner on special teams, making that, that diving swat out of the end zone onto the three or four yard line. So that is how you make your way onto the roster as a special teamer and a situational receiver. So are they going to let something kind of wild happens over the next couple of weeks? And maybe Tyquan Thorne's injury isn't as bad as we fear it is. I think little Jordan Humphrey is going to be on the final 53. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, he's earning his time on the field. Uh, I mean, Trey Nixon's also doing a pretty good job, but you add in what Humphrey is doing on special teams. Uh, and I feel like he kind of brings an element to the offense that uh, that they don't currently have. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, like, they're developing and, like, we don't know who is going to be available. Uh, but, you know, with, with LaJordan Humphrey being, you know, six foot four, two twenty five, he gives us that, like, pseudo tight end size big body in the outside um, that, like, we're kind of hoping that Trey Nixon will be. Uh, or sorry, that Devontae Parker will be. But when you look at Trey Nixon and what his size is, like he, there, there are other receivers on the roster with his like build and skill set and like what he's able to do. And Humphrey gives them a kind of a different element. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he very clearly has a path onto the roster through special teams. And also uh, he's making the most of his opportunities on offense. He was just standing out uh, five catches, 71 yards. He's racking up the production this preseason. So I, I think that he's doing... Uh, what I think he needs to do in order to make the roster. And as you said, with Thornton, uh, w- with Christian Wilkerson missing time, there could be a spot available. I agree with you that Kendrick Bourne isn't at risk of losing his spot, but like he was easily the, p- the team's best receiver last year. And for him to essentially just vanish, uh, as he's been doing this preseason, is a very big surprise to me. Like It's not what I had been hoping, whereas like maybe he could be competing for starting time. It's very clearly he's in that second, if not third tier of receiver in the coaching staff's eye because he was participating in fights in practice and like in training camp and like there was just brawls left and right against the Panthers. And so like the team doesn't have that trust in him in the way that they can trust all of the other receivers where like for all of his shortcomings around Nelson Aguilar, he's not going to do that. <laughs> like he, he's going to maybe drop a pass here or there, not be as like good of an upside player as Kendrick Bourne, but uh, I think Aguilar's spot is as solidified as ever with uh, Thornton's injury and with the fact that he's very clearly running with the ones. So, Rich, do you think that Kendrick Bourne is going to be maybe, if he continues, it's not so much a skill thing, they acknowledge his talent, but he's not really emerging as a locker room leader, that kind of guy that other receivers or position players would ever look to as like a role model, the, the Patriot way, everyone likes to bash all the time, and that may, in your opinion, affect his starting role or playing time in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, like it, it definitely is like right up Belichick's alley that if someone doesn't uh, doesn't uh, play like doesn't play hard in practice makes those bad mistakes in practice they're not going to be given the opportunity to make a bad mistake on the game Uh, and so like it's very clear to me that you have your top three receivers of Myers Aglor and Devontae Parker Uh, those are head and shoulders your your top three receivers very clearly Uh, they were giving Thornton some play up there like Bourne should be that number four Um, and like he could be but like and like he's on a fairly team-friendly contract, so I don't think he's at risk of being traded or anything like that. But as little Jordan Humphrey continues to stand out and have that special teams value, there's a chance that you know if a team were to be like, what is the most valuable trade piece on the Patriots roster in the receiver room? It's likely Kendrick Bourne on that very team-friendly contract for multiple years. And if Jordan, if they think that like they can't trust him, and then you have enough players, you know, Montgomery can play outside a little bit. Uh, you know, Wilkerson will ho- will get healthy, and he does play well when he's given the opportunities. And Thornton was standing out. That Bourne could be the odd man out. Yeah, no, it's very possible. It's funny to think that looking at 2021 when he was the most reliable guy out there, or one of the most reliable guys, and to go make that kind of demotion between one season and the other, it's definitely something to monitor, especially with the receivers, especially the back-end receivers really making a case for themselves. And that's going to be a very interesting uh, round of cuts. There's been no exciting cuts or no unexpected cuts so far, this so far, Rich Hill. Uh, There's been our favorite linebacker, Ronnie Perkins, on IR again. 
So his season for the second year in a row is over before it really starts. Other than that, just a couple of cuts that no one really is surprised by. Are you worried at all, Rich, that we're going to start seeing some guys that maybe you and I are more confident about all of a sudden being one of those I mean, those pat- patented Belichick, nobody saw this coming roster cuts? Or at this point, do you feel like we have a pretty good idea with the roster shaking out? Yeah, I think we have a pretty good uh, idea. There are some spots that are like a little bit deeper than expected. Uh, not from like a wow, they're so good, but also just like there's kind of a logjam, and maybe the veteran isn't as like isn't noteworthily better than the young guy, so they could just go with the young guy. And I'm like looking on the defensive line where it's like I think Lawrence Guy is fantastic, and he's been such a crucial part of this team. But like when you're building that final rust roster, has like Ray or Roberts or like Mitchell had some plays out there and so did farms like are these players that you're like you know what we can get by with these ones and like they're more affordable than lawrence guy and they give you more long-term upside like we're going to have to move on from guy at some point he's getting up there in age so like that's one position that i'm kind of looking at and then like at the cornerback position i feel like we're pretty solid uh with like understanding who are the top cornerbacks but there's like a lot of them like someone that of the caliber of like Miles Bryant or you know even Sean Wade who had that nice interception might not make the roster but like do you take one of them over Terrence Mitchell or like what happens with uh you know the injury injured reserve sort of situation like will everyone be available do you just hold on to people as much as possible so I I do think that there will be some players that are at risk of losing their spot um but you know you mentioned uh some of the players that did get cut Dalton Keene uh, was released, uh, so the tight end position is a little bit more solidified. Asi Asi, uh, very clearly that number three tight end, um, although Matt Sokol is given some opportunities as well. But I, I think you, we have our top three for our tight ends. Um, the Patriots have also released defensive backs Devin Hafford and Jalen Elliott, uh, and then Andrew Stuber, uh, the offensive lineman, was moved to the, the injured reserve as well. Um, so I, I think that there will be some more positions that are like, similar caliber that people get lost um but like there's only a couple positions where i'm like oh you know like the top nine of the offensive linemen are pretty well set uh or you know like we can feel pretty comfortable that josh hammond is not going to make the roster at wide receiver um but i I think there's either it's cut and dry or it's uh totally unknown Yeah, man. I think one area is totally unknown. Maybe not totally unknown, but in terms of just the overall depth. And again, we've been talking about this pretty much all offseason in terms of what they're going to do and how it's going to shake out. And not a whole lot was was shown to me beyond uh, some very good things, which was the linebacker core on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Juwan Bentley seems to be the guy. He has the helmet. I mean, the green dot on it. I think even when Hightower comes back, that's right. I said when Hightower comes back, <laughs> I think he should still be the guy because Hightower is on the wrong side of 30. I'd like to see Bentley kind of develop as that that cap for the linebacking core. I think Josh Uche is really coming into his own. I, I really hope this could be the year he finally breaks out. I'm going to eat those words most likely come like mid-September when he goes on IR or they trade him or whatever. But I think there are a lot of guys that have just such high upside and they have really great potential to have a ridiculously good linebacking core. But at the same time, I can definitely see a scenario where the linebacking core becomes kind of the weakest part of the entire defense. And at this point, I'm not sure where it's going to go. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, like, we, we also kind of get a sense of who are the top guys at that position. And, like, honestly, when I was watching them, I, I, am, 
I feel like they're going to be fine. Uh, you like, especially with like how the Patriots play their defense. You know, Adrian Phillips is essentially going to be a linebacker for them, uh, and then uh, Peppers is another guy that like will get a lot of play at that linebacker safety spot. So like, we're only looking for six players to be on the defensive front, and you have pretty good quality of depth. Like obviously Barmore uh, and Godshaw are locks at that defensive line spot, but we were talking like there's some pretty quality depth at that other defensive tackle defensive end spot you know put on Lawrence guy I think that he deserves to be a starter he's good but like you have farms you have Mitchell uh you, you know add in wise there on the edge as well but then like you only really need three linebackers and I'm including Judon in this even though he's an edge guy and like really you just need two guys to be fine uh and like if you want to have a third one for depth reasons then that's great and like Bentley was great. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had a lot of confidence in Bentley, and I think that he's going to take another step forward this year. Uche has been playing very, very well. Uh, and, and, like, you have uh, Raekwon McMillan, who's, like, solid. You know, he's going to take that thumper role that they've had. Uh, and then you added Mac Wilson. These are four guys that, like, or five if you want to include in Judon. Uh, add in Anthony Jennings, who, who was with the starters and was getting a lot of time and was also playing well. I think that, like, this is not going to be the weakest part of the roster. And like there there's like not a top of the NFL caliber player. Like there's not a high like Hightower in his prime was a top five linebacker in the league. They don't have that right now, and I've always said that the defense is as good as the linebackers, but they're not gonna hit the bottom. You know, in some years past where like if Hightower or Jamie Collins or Gerard Mayo, like if one of them suffered an injury, they were trotting out like Tracy White or some like special teamer at that position to play linebacker. I feel like they're rolling deeper, but they're not as strong as in the past. So like one injury won't derail the position because they're not coming from such a height. But I don't think that this is going to be a problem of the roster. Credit to Gerard Mayo for that. Speaking of Gerard Mayo, everybody who's talked, who's talked, been talked to about Gerard Mayo as a coach, say he's like the best coach I've ever had. He's so smart. So I'm really excited to see him back with the, the Patriots coaching staff. He's a head coach in training just a matter of time. So let's enjoy him while we still have him. Uh, Rich Hill, unless you want to talk anything else that happened on the Panthers game or any other particular players, I think we should probably switch and preview this crucial week three matchup between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Patriots, aka, I guess the Patriots West. Um, cause the Texans of the Patriots South and the page, the Patriots East, I feel like McDaniels brought a lot of players over from the Patriots to the Raiders as his new head coaching gig. The Raiders, like the rest of the AFC West are pretty stacked. They have the, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the league in Devontae Adams. They've got a probably top 10 quarterback. They seem poised to do good things, but again, they're in such a ridiculous division and I'm not sure if you read the reports and how much to take away from the reports, but these first couple days of practice, it would appear that the Pats are getting smacked up and down the field. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, this this week will reveal nothing if not just, like, does this secondary of the Patriots have a chance with Jalen Mills as the top cornerback? <laughs> um, and it's, like, it's hard to learn a lot from one-on-one sort of competition where, like, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league and the best route runner. So, like... I, there's maybe like five cornerbacks in the league that just won't get toasted every single one-on-one against him. But like the Patriots are never going to match up against Adams one-on-one because that would just be foolish. And so like, you're going to have safety help over the top. And so there, it's, I'm not going to take too much away from the fact that like, yes, the Raiders have been taking them to, to work like time and time again during practice. But like, I think that this game will be very revealing uh, in a way that, as you said, this is the the best caliber team that they'll have faced this preseason. 
Uh, there is a level of familiarity due to McDaniels. Um, and also, like, some of the players. Like, you can just go up and down the roster. You got old friend Jarrett Stidham, Brandon Bolden, Jakob Johnson, uh, Isaiah Suber uh, at wide receiver, Jacob Hollister at tight end, uh, Jermaine Luminor on the offensive line. Uh, th- th- that's just the offense. You have Tashawn Bauer on the defense. Uh, Chandler Jones on the defense as well, also on the defensive line. Um and that there's probably like one or two others that like, oh, Deron Harmon in the secondary. I'm just going through this right now. Left and right, there are players that the Patriots are familiar with. Uh, there's a level of familiarity there. Also, like the offensive scheme with McDaniels. So, like, the team will know what is likely coming from what they need to prepare for. Uh, and so this will be a great test. Uh, and so I think the test for the Patriots secondary will be huge. Uh, and, like, this is not, like, the best defense that they'll face. But, like, I would like to see the Patriots offensive line play its actual unit um, and not continue to have the carousel that they've had. Um, and this will be, you know, Mac Jones has played, like, three drives this preseason. So, like, how much opportunity will he get in this final preseason game? Uh, remains to be seen because typically the last preseason game is for all of the back end of the roster people. So, like, what will we be able to take away from this game? Uh, I'm not sure because three preseason games is pretty uh, – I feel like teams are still figuring out what that means. No, totally. Yeah, I think the real big question, usually this is the week three game of the preseason. Traditionally, the starters have played at least the first half, sometimes a drive or two in the third quarter. But I don't know if this is going to be week three of the preseason as it always has been, or is this now like the new week four of the preseason where nobody starts? So I really don't know. I'm really hoping, again, I've been asking to see the entire offensive line out there as a unit from day one. I haven't officially gotten that yet. We see starters plugged and played at different positions, but not the actual unit. That is the most important unit in terms of cohesion and all being on the same page. You're right, not the best defense, and again, everyone gives vanilla looks, unless you're the Giants and you want to blitz every down, but usually the preseason is vanilla looks, nothing too crazy, no major schemes, no one actually planning or game planning for a specific opponent. Uh, it's really just a matter of, of can the offense and the defense, that matter, kind of gain some momentum, have a good solid game on the road after a week of practice in which they're not exactly getting their confidence boosted in any capacity and can they show that this last game before that actually matters will be not a a a massive kind of like we need this to have happen but i feel like getting a a good performance and some nice plays and a nice confidence boost will bode well coming to that dolphins game yeah no totally and uh we'll see uh how this game plays out but alec i think it's time for predictions all right, let's do this. It is me again because I had the Patriots beating the Panthers. So I will sit here and make my prediction. Uh, despite the fact that the Raiders, I think the Raiders are on paper at least a better team than the Patriots in 2022. And the, the fact that the Raiders are doing well in practices, I still say the Patriots win this game because may as well go out with a bang with my preseason predictions. I think it's going to be a rapidly high-scoring game, but when and the, maybe the the Raiders starters are winning when everyone takes a seat in the second half or so. But I think the Patriots backups will take out the Raiders backups and get a last-minute kind of late score and win this one something along the lines of twenty-two to eighteen. You think that's what the, the Raiders are going to win this one? The Patriots. Oh, the Patriots. Well, I'll, I'll take the Raiders on this one. Um, just to make it as, as easy as possible. And I hope I go 0 for 3 in the preseason. So I, <laughs> I, I run the table during the regular season against you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit of Zappy out there. He'll, he'll do some 
things that are pretty good. But you know, I, I, this is a, a big revenge game for the Raiders. It's you're you're really underselling that. And uh, you know, Jared Stidham's going to show that the Patriots made a mistake going with this guy named uh, McCorkle Jones instead of Jared Stidham. <laughs> uh, and so Stidham will will throw a, a swing pass to Brandon Bolden, uh, who who will lateral it to Isaiah Zuber. Uh, for a game-winning score in the in the the fourth quarter, uh, and the, I think the Raiders are going to take this one, something like uh, 106 to to 93. 106 to 93, records being set left and right here, Rich. Wow. Hey, as long as Jared Stidham doesn't do like a keeper option for 92 yards and fake out the entire Patriots defensive line the way he did against, I think it was the Giants a couple <laughs> preseasons ago, where like half the guys got fired after that game. I'll be happy with it. Obviously, that's a joke of a pick, Rich, but that's all right. It's a joke of a joke of a preseason, so it doesn't really matter. I've got it locked in, so I like my chances in this one. Although, I technically, if the Raiders win, you get the nod no matter what. So these scores are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I know I forgot Jakob Johnson is going to get that that game-winning block there. But, yeah, we'll, we'll watch how this plays out. Um, I'm excited for the regular season to actually be here. Uh, yeah. Game Patriots-Raiders, Friday night, August 26th, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you.